You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Boat Races. (laughs) You said that once last year too, didn't you? I did. This is the first time we've heard it this year. That was a callback, Frank. That's what they call a callback uh, for our 309th episode, uh, referencing something that happened last year. But we talked about it yesterday. That's Frank Madden. I'm Eric Name. This is Locked on Bucks. We're always here. We're always having a good time. Uh, But... We talked about the fact that the Bucks don't blow people out. It's not something they do. And I was on the fence of whether whether or not I was going to call this a boat race because people wanted me to call it a boat race the entire night. I was getting boat emojis sent to me constantly and boat gifts, which were all fun and, and I appreciated it. But I wasn't ready to call it that yet because I didn't think the Bucks had taken care of business. They let it get back to, I think, 10 in the four, like near the end of the third quarter, and we're just kind of playing with their food like they tend to do against teams that they shouldn't do that against. Uh, and then Delhi came out, cooked a little bit in the fourth quarter, and if Delhi's cooking on you in the fourth quarter and you're down 20, guess what? You just got boat raced. <laughs> yeah, and, um, you know, th- this was a game that the Milwaukee Bucks – should win because the Indiana Pacers as much as they have been a nice pleasant surprise in the east they were missing their best player in Victor Oladipo uh and what they had they lost four four straight games without him or something yeah so and I mean I think we saw it you know from from opening tip I mean this this just isn't a very good team without Victor Oladipo I mean (laughs) you know uh you know, yeah, shout man. out to shout out to Demantis Sabonis for looking good and just working Thon Maker down low for, you know, most of the game. But other than that, um, yeah, this isn't a good team. You know, I mean, there's a reason most people thought the Pacers were were not going to sniff the playoffs. And um, you know, credit to Oladipo for helping kind of carry this team to uh, a winning record while he was around. And now they're, I think, at 500. But um, but yeah, I mean, this is a game you should win. And uh, you know, as we were saying yesterday, I mean, I think, and I can't remember if we talked about it on air or if it was after before we started recording but i think you asked me like you know was i worried or did i think the bucks were gonna like just fall flat and lose the game and i i didn't i thought they were gonna win but i thought like oh they'll win by like eight points you know like that was kind of my like the kind of game it it felt like you know they'll dilly dally and they won't be able to kind of put them away and then you know they'll need to bring Giannis back in the fourth and you know they'll have to kind of play their their real lineup, and Giannis will play forty minutes, and, and whatever. And we'd all and then, generally be very annoyed. Yeah, and it's like, and then we're always in that position as Bucks fans, where it's like, well, you know, nice to get a win, took care of business, yada yada, but wasn't really that impressive. You know, not yep. not the sort of comprehensive victory that uh, that you know good teams start to pull off. You know, and 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 it's not so much that like you you do that. You know, great teams 
go out and just blow teams out like the bad you know it's like any given night if they're playing a bad team they're probably blowing them out right the bucks are obviously not a great team they're trying to be a good team and you know have been obviously a mixed bag in that regard but um but this tonight was a game where again wasn't a, a blot from the word go but you know pretty pretty much wire to wire and um you just had the feeling early on the bucks are just a way better team and you know, you didn't get the feeling that the Pacers were outworking them. You know, I mean, the Pacers defense was, <laughs> was getting torn to shreds and um, they they certainly had no answers for Giannis. And uh, Chris Middleton got off to a nice start and obviously also piled up a lot of points. And, um, you know, it, it was a, a rare opportunity to see Giannis rest the entire fourth quarter, basically really since I think the K- Kings game in Sacramento when he played 29 minutes and scored 30 what two points or something like that it was kind of a throwback to that where he he scores 31 points 10 boards five assists um had a couple blocks which was nice hadn't had a multi-block game in a while uh racks up steel as well just super super efficient 12 out of 18 from the field i think seven out of eight from the line and yeah and the great thing was they expanded the lead after we you know went to the bench at the end of the third quarter and um you know that's something obviously we we haven't seen bucks do all that much this year is really be able to expand leads when Giannis isn't playing yeah it was it was a very pleasant surprise because at the start of that fourth quarter i saw what i'm trying to think what they came out with was it it wasn't the three-point guard lineup because bledsoe was out so i think it was Two point guards in Dalian Brogdon and then Liggins, Liggins and Middleton and Thon, I believe. And it was like, oh no. This <laughs> this can only go one way. And we've seen it go that way a number of times with, with Liggins and Thon on the floor. And it didn't go that way. To their credit, they they kind of got through it. Delhi made a few plays, found a, a few passes. I, I think Thon did Thon have a block on one end and then come get it on the other end for a layup from Delhi? And I think both of us ended up tweeting out the Oprah Winfrey gif where she's like, everyone gets a car. Everyone gets a Delhi dime. That was that was kind of the case tonight. Like He, he just kind of, as strange as this sounds, he kind of took over the fourth quarter and was just making plays and uh, did one of those fake handoffs for that's got to be the most wide-open layup Matthew Delvedova has ever scored in his career uh, in the half court because, my God, the Pacers were totally fooled, nowhere near him, and uh, the Bucks just kind of finished it out. And I know I saw some people uh, complaining in the fourth quarter, like, why is Chris Middleton in there? And I was like, well, because it was kind of his shift. Uh, he only plays 30 minutes tonight, uh, and after the game, he, he kind of had a, a similar sentiment to what Giannis said when I asked Giannis about it he was like you know it felt good (laughs) it was nice not to have to play a team so close and actually kind of take care of business and get that done with Uh, and Middleton said the same thing I think if I'm reading his quote here uh, it feels great honestly haven't had a game like that in a long long time so kept our minutes down and took care of business at the same time it would help if we do that a lot more we just came out with the right mentality and just attacked playing aggressive and keeping that same mentality the whole game and one thing i asked him and malcolm and Giannis and delhi and it would to me that's all obviously we talked about it on the podcast yesterday we talked about the the lack of blowouts for this bucks team and they just needed – I just feel like those can be so important. Like if if Giannis and Chris are going to play 40-plus minutes a night and a lot of these guys are going to get stretched to their limits minutes-wise, you need 
one of these every two weeks. You need one of these where they don't play the fourth quarter because otherwise, by the time you get to the end of the season, it's just going to be really tough to get through games if you're playing that many minutes. Uh, so I just thought it was huge that they could get one of these and take care of business because to start the fourth quarter with the lineup that was on the floor, I thought it could have gone the other way, but to everyone's credit, it didn't. Delhi has a huge night, eight points, nine assists in 17 minutes. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon plays 32, 17 points, five assists for him. Uh, Thon Maker, 12 points, four rebounds off the bench in 22 minutes. Uh, he hits a couple corner threes. Uh, last two games, he's kind of, I don't want to say found his shooting stroke because it's such a small sample size, but it seems like he's found a little bit more confidence in these last couple games, double-digit scoring for him in each of the last two. So maybe... Maybe, 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 probably not. Um, but maybe uh, he's coming around here uh, and breaking out of that sophomore slump a little bit. But uh, I just thought it was huge that when I look at the bench, Giannis, or excuse me, Thon was a plus two, Malcolm was plus 14, Daly was plus four, and even DeAndre Liggins was plus four in 23 minutes. So to have no negatives there and have the, the starters all be plus 15 or more, like that, that is going to be kind of how you actually get these games. And so often this year, we've seen double-digit pluses for the starters and then negative and sometimes negative double digits for some of the guys off the bench. So I just thought it was huge that the bench actually took care of business and closed this one out. Yeah, I mean, the Bucks put up 127.5 points per 100 tonight, their offensive rating, and that's you know one of their best efforts of the year in terms of offensive efficiency and uh, obviously Giannis scoring more than a point a minute on you know hitting two-thirds of his shots I mean that that, that, that helps uh, Middleton scoring 27 points on just 14 shots that really helps um, but you know I mean it's interesting I mean you know the other three starters you know Snell Bledsoe and Henson I mean Bledsoe only took four shots tonight scored yeah. seven points um, none of those guys had big nights no, you know only two starters in double figures you know typically we we think about this I, I always think of it as man it seems like the Bucks generally need pretty big output from those three you know key guys ekg keg bam whatever we're going to call them um and so it's interesting to look at the team tonight because they only got you know big numbers from the kind of top two guys but i mean and this is why delvadova playing at, at a much higher level the past you know week or two is a big deal um this is why you know thon maker actually making some shots is a huge deal because you got three guys on the bench giving you, you know, combined 37 points. And total, I mean, this this is the stuff that adds up. You know, yep. it, you, you don't score uh, tons and tons of points generally because one guy just absolutely carries you, right? I mean, you need those other guys to kind of fill in. And, you know, Malcolm Brogdon has been doing that pretty much all year. You know, he delivers 17 points on nine shots, five assists tonight. Um, that That's, you know, not something totally out of the ordinary for, for Malcolm, obviously, but... Um, the fact that he's got Delhi, um, you know, tonight he actually had some shots, hit both of his threes, and, and again, you know, nine assists, the 28 assists, and just three turnovers in his last three games. I mean, that really speaks to to how well he's moving the ball and um, his passing. You know, it's it's. I mean, we joked about the Oprah the Oprah thing about giving everybody alley oops, but um, that's been probably the most fun thing about the Bucks these last few games. I think is. You know, we've talked for a bit about that Hawk set where, you know, usually Delhi or one of the other guards is on that kind of left wing extended and then sort of surveying the court as 
um, they basically have you know sort of this action with with the, the other guard you know screw, you know basically making a cut towards the basket and you know we've seen Brogdon and and Brogdon get alley oops we've seen Snell just cut and get layups out of that earlier in the season um, we've seen Bledsoe he, Bledsoe got another alley oop this year under some horrible defense by the Pacers. Um, and we've just seen all sorts of different kind of actions, and it's it's almost like there there were there were a number of passes tonight, and a couple of them went to Giannis, um, where it's it's you know reminded me of you know like a back shoulder pass in in <laughs> the NFL, where it's like you know it's not that the guy is wide open, but if Giannis is cutting to the basket and his man has his back turned, if you throw a pass in the vicinity of Giannis, he will he will catch the ball. You know, I mean yeah. it, it's it's very hard. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're the defender and you can't see the ball, because um, if you're defending Giannis, odds are you're smaller than Giannis and you're less athletic than Giannis. <laughs> and if you can't see the goddamn ball, like you, you're, you you're in chance. bad shape. Yep. Yeah. And it was interesting. I think the I want to say the first three. This was obviously before Delhi got on the court, but I want to say the first three possessions they ran that action. You know, I think they ran the corner series, and the first two Giannis wasn't open and he didn't get the ball and the third one John Henson throws him a nice pass and I think it was Henson right he threw in the pass was yep. it Henson who threw in the pass for the alley-oop um, and gets him wide open for, for a dunk and so it's yeah it's just been fun to watch it's, and it's almost like you know the, the deli alley-oops have become contagious and guys are just you know sharing the ball and tonight um, a season high 33 assists um, yeah it, it was just a fun you know performance to watch I mean granted the Pacers you know are, are not exactly um, the highest bar to play against right now, but um, but I think it was you know difficult to find much to complain about just in terms of certainly offensively what the Bucks were doing, and um, that's been a, kind of a recurring theme. I mean, they scored a ton of points against the, the Raptors, who are much better defensively, a much better team, obviously, and you just hope that this kind of stuff continues because if those if you get three guys from the bench contributing, you know, and playing good basketball every night, um, suddenly this team becomes way harder to defend, and and obviously. You know, I don't know if Thon's going to be able to keep this up um, in terms of his shooting and scoring double figures um, consistently. I wouldn't say that's something we should expect, but um, I don't know. It seems like ever since he got Matt yammed on by Russell Westbrook, like yeah. he's shown some some signs of life. I think uh, I think he's like six of eight from three these last few games. And um, you know, it, it's funny. I mean, you mentioned small. It's it's small sample theater, but I mean, he's up to I think thirty six percent from three on the season now. Yep which is a big deal, you know, <laughs> like, you know, again, last year he didn't take a ton of threes, but I think he was 37.8%. And again, if you're a center and you can go park in the corner and knock down corner threes, which is mostly what he's been doing lately, um, that's a big deal. And, you know, again, it, it helps you overcome some of the other weaknesses because certainly, you know, defensively he really struggled to contain um, Sabonis tonight. Um, but, you know, again, he held his own offensively. Um, missed a couple catches, you know, kind of his bad hands showed up a couple times, but um, that I think you mentioned that pass in the fourth quarter. I mean, Delhi whipped the pass inside, um, did a nice job sealing his man, caught a pass which normally he doesn't catch, yep. and was right under the basket. And we've seen him flub uh, <laughs> sort of those. So we've seen him flub those plays where he's right under the basket and he has to gather himself and can't kind of run up and get some momentum to to explode. And um, he just went up and dunked, and it was like, okay. Yes, good. That was I mean that wasn't an amazing play or anything, but you know for Thon it's just make the simple plays consistently and then if he can knock down threes and you know defend with high motor then um you know as a backup center 
hey, that plays. Yeah, it was nice. I got to I got to talk to Thon for I don't know five or six minutes after uh, after the game tonight, and we were kind of talking about you know like a, a sophomore slump and kind of how all of that just goes and how you you go from being a starter at the beginning of the year to being a bench guy and then kind of recapturing that energy and I'm I'll have something about all like our conversation at ESPN Milwaukee here in the next two days but uh the thing <laughs> shameless uh the thing that you don't, you don't we don't you don't do that nearly enough here so you're probably right by all means by all uh, means so Either way, I'll have something up on that. But one thing that I talked to him about was uh, it was interesting to hear just kind of the idea that uh, in the last couple games, what he's done is uh, Coach Gerg, uh, Coach Gergich, if you don't know him. I know I tweeted about him the other day and people were like, did your phone freak out there when you when you typed GRG. GRG, uh, yeah. But no, it did not. That is Coach Gerg, Coach Gergich. Uh, he's been with the Bucks for oh, a while now, but he's been everywhere as a coach. Uh, but he's kind of their, their wise old... Uh, is, is he even officially listed as an assistant coach? Because, I mean, he's sort of like the... I don't know, it's just like he kind of... I mean, he's not always around, right? Like, he, I know he lives yeah. in Vegas. Yeah, he no. He kind of like comes and goes. He's not like on the KG schedule, but... Um, he just sort of does what, you know, I mean, he, I mean, and he was here back during the George Carl days too, right? Yeah. Um, he, he was, uh, I think it's always like a basketball consultant. I, I think that's yeah. what his official title is, but yeah, he, he came, he was here in Milwaukee. I think they hired him in Oh one, maybe, maybe, uh, 2000. And he was here for the George Carl days, but then he's kind of been around the league. And now with the bucks, he's been here for the last, uh, I don't even know since I've been covering the team and maybe a year before that. So the last three or four years, uh, but he's just kind of around. And he said that what coach Gergich has done with him these last couple games is he's cut up games from the playoffs from last year. And they'll just watch clips, both offensively and defensively. Like these are the things that you, you used to be doing. These are the things that we need to emulate. And Thon had said that it's kind of, it's been fun for him to watch that because it reminds him of all the things that he can do rather than kind of thinking about the things that that he can't do, the things that he's struggling with that he can see that. And he knows that's what I'm supposed to emulate. So um, you do hope that if that's the way they have to do it, if he needs to see some tape of him playing good uh, to kind of bring that back out of him, well then, cut up 15 minutes of tape every day and and let him see that but uh i just think it'll be interesting to see if he can keep it going because uh it it would really be big like you said to get something out of that backup center spot because the bucks largely haven't this whole year and i don't know that his defensive struggles have gone anywhere there there was plenty of that tonight uh but if he can try to recapture some of what he had last year uh towards the end of the year i think that would really help out the bucks so that'll be really interesting to watch and um i think something that kind of intrigued me tonight i tweeted about it a couple times was uh three-point guard lineups the the bucks did it i think when bledsoe first got there before delhi got hurt i think against san antonio that night they did a three-guard lineup and then i think delhi was out after that so they didn't really do it then but these last couple games we've seen Delhi, Brogdon, and Bledsoe all play together, and normally it'll be paired with Giannis and Thon, or Giannis and someone else, and 
it to me it, it's a really interesting concept because Brogdon does have more of the length of of what you probably consider probably a two and Bledsoe has those long arms and can maybe get some twos obviously they're not going to cover threes all that well uh, but if you can get that speed and quickness out there do some switching and then uh, have Giannis and Thon kind of covering things up on the backside I think you can do some interesting things defensively and then offensively uh, you're finding a lineup that with Giannis out there um, it's it can be a struggle with Giannis and Bledsoe in that they can't they, they don't shoot the ball all that well but if you put enough playmaking out there you have another shooter out there in Thon that you can kind of run some interesting stuff and obviously we've talked about that Hawk set but at the same time you can do some other things where guys are catching on the move and it's just waves of playmaking going at teams and I think we saw them that that trio have some have some moments and um i'm curious to see if if kid will continue to go to that uh because it's something that i tweeted out tonight i think i don't like it but i'm intrigued by it like i i'm and i've seen enough positive things in the last two games that i can at least like give it a little bit more time Let, let me let me see some more of it and let me see if i like it yeah i mean we've talked in the past about how the brogdon Delhi combination historically i think last year it wasn't good yep. it was a negative and i think this year it uh, last time i checked it was still a negative you know there wasn't any obvious value in sort of that combination of guys um and, and i would tend to agree i mean i think if you had a normal roster in terms of you know talent distribution i just don't think you know it would be necessary to play all those guys together yep. um uh but i think part of the issue here is um you know the fact that Chris is playing, and I'd have to check. I'm curious how many minutes Chris has played at the four this year. Um, but you know, we saw it tonight. There were times where it, it was obvious. A lot of times you don't really notice it because there enough teams play small enough that Chris. You know, it's not like Chris is often out there against very legit fours, um, having to kind of cope with that. Um, tonight he got stuck out there a few times against Sabonis, yep. and when they went big with Sabonis and Miles Turner and um, and that just doesn't work, right? Because, Correct. I mean, again, as much as those guys don't want to guard Chris on the perimeter, um, Chris also isn't generally going to just, like, you know, smoke him uh, off the dribble or something like that. So it's it's not really – that. this is the problem with putting Chris the four. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that, to be honest. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, you know, again, and, and I always you always want to give the benefit of the doubt to – uh, small lineups at this point like that you know like that's just kind of like how people now operate but um, but I, I think that's part of the issue here I mean it's this cascade effect you have Giannis as your primary four you had Toledovich you have DJ Wilson um, but Toledovich is you know I just I don't assume he's coming back this year you've been out with without him for you know a couple months and DJ Wilson obviously is in Oshkosh you know he didn't even yep. wasn't even with the team tonight um, the one so, night they boat race somebody and he was going to get some minutes yeah of course he's not even he's not even available um so so yeah i mean i, I think it's i don't know we'll, we'll see um we'll see what what that kind of means um kind of moving forward but i think it's a lineup that i don't know i mean it's worked here a little bit of late, but I, I mean, really to me, it's just really a factor of like, is Delhi like useful or not? Yeah. Because, um, you know, I think Brogdon can play off the ball fairly well. Um, I think to be honest, 
uh, I don't really think uh, Bledsoe makes a whole lot of sense off the ball. Yep. Um, although he has been shooting the three a lot better of late. Um, but you know, again, I don't think there's some. I don't think there's any secret sauce there. Um, I think it's more just the fact that Delhi is actually playing pretty well, and um, you know that kind of makes a lot of things look better because obviously Bledsoe and Brogdon have generally played played well overall as well. Yeah, I, like I said, I don't think I like it, but there's enough there that I'm at least intrigued by it, and that probably just speaks to how well Delhi has played in these three games where they have used it. Um, but it, I think just something interesting. Something else I wanted to talk about, Frank. So we've talked about that Hawk set, and we've talked about the the Delhi Brogdon alley-oop, and I think our friend Jack Maloney over at CBS Sports, if if he is able to come through, is going to write something about that tonight and kind of break it down uh, a little bit. We were talking about that. But one thing I find interesting with this Bucks team is I'm not sure I've ever seen another team operate like this, but it seems like every five-ish games – they find a new set that they like and they run it all the freaking time just over and over and over and over and they're going to get through every single option on that play like most plays most sets that you draw up are going to have a first option second option third option fourth option good ones are going to have a fifth or sixth option and in the nba you rarely get to those but sometimes it, it can happen but the bucks when they find a set just hammer it for five days and i've just never i've never seen a team do that because i i feel like all teams have pet plays plays that they like but i feel like they're sprinkled in and you might you might see it once that game but they know that one time you see it it's going to be a bucket uh just because they run it well enough they know all the options well enough that even if you start the first or second because your scouting report had it in there the third or the fourth is going to get you but with the box it's just i've never really seen something like that and that that hawk set is something that they're just hammering right now and then they'll go through the variations where it'll be that uh double pick and roll on the left side with uh brogdon and Giannis instead of brogdon cutting through the middle and then that can be some skip passes to middleton and there, there's just a bunch of different stuff there and i'm trying to have you seen something like that frank because it seems like the strangest thing to me that you would just find a set that you know can be successful and then run it eight times in one quarter well i i don't find it shocking in the sense that um i think jason kidd's personality is he's like a mismatch type guy like he wants to find a mismatch and this isn't you're not talking about a mismatch per se but like again it's like if jason kidd thinks something works and he's going to keep doing it and then if it stops working then he'll just pick some other random thing and hope that works um, but I think offensively at least, um, and again, you know, maybe you give some credit to Joe Prunty here, who's the architect of the offense. Um, it, it does seem like they're, they've been bringing in some new wrinkles of late, you know, with the Hawks set and some of those other things. And they're also running like, there's like enough variations off of it Yep. that I think that's the important thing, right? I mean, it's, it's like, you know, okay, it's not like you discover a new pitch and you can always then just see it's coming and you can plan for it. I mean, you know, if you have multiple different things that you're running out of it, then it's at least a lot harder to game plan. And, you know, you can run it a lot more and, and keep a team guessing. And it seems like they, you know, like all season we saw them run the play in order to get Tony Snell a layup on the backside. 
but we never saw them run it to get an alley-oop for a point guard. And then they started doing that. And then they started throwing the pass over the top to Chris Mills in the corner. And then we saw, you know, Giannis do, you know, on the play that didn't work, we saw him, you know, do a spin-off when, you know, basically a face cut, you know, off of uh, when he was getting really um, guarded heavily at the kind of at the elbow free throw line. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of one of those things like just, you know, and and, and the, the hope is that you can then find multiple sets like that where, you know, again, like teams can know it's coming, but they won't necessarily know what you're going to do off of it. And tonight, I thought the Bucks did a really nice job, and Delhi in particular, of, you know, cutting and, and moving and um, and making passes when it wasn't necessarily obvious that the guy was open. We talked about that with that Giannis pass from, um, you know, from Henson or, or not from not not the the first idea because he was wide open on that one, but there were other plays like that where it was a lot more of like, you know, okay, Devonte Adams is going to beat that Cowboys corner the second time. Right. Yeah. And I'm just going to throw him the ball and trust that he's going to get it. Um, and I think I forget who's who mentioned it. Someone on Twitter, I'm going to try to find out who it, I'm going to try to find it in my mentions, but somebody says, somebody compared it to, uh, the way Delhi was passing to like Olympic Delhi. And yes. I think that's actually a good, the last good three games have been Olympic Delhi. Yeah, because there was an, and I, I imagine a lot of our listeners might not know what the hell we're talking about, but um, especially early in the last Olympics, um, Australia was looking phenomenal, and Delhi and Bogut and Joe Ingles and all these guys just had like tremendous chemistry, and they were throwing alley oops and backdoor cuts, and just it was like you know peak like white guy passing. <laughs> You yeah. know, whatever type 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 stuff. Bogut looked and, like it was like 2010. Yeah, just Bogut dunking um, all over the place. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it was beautiful, and Delhi was was playing at a high level, and um, and yeah, it just seems like for for whatever reason, um, you know, he's discovered something that you know again that they're like. They're, how many uh, times has Brogdon gotten a basic back cut? Like literally the most basic play in the history of basketball. Like there were white Celtics point guards throwing that from the 50s to 70s. Like, just literally Malcolm Brogdon coming out to a wing, guy overplaying it, and just a back cut in Delhi throwing the most fundamental bounce pass. Like, that's been happening. Yeah. A lot. Oh, hey, okay, here we go. Tweeter McGee. Shout out to Tweeter McGee. I don't know if Tweeter McGee listens to the podcast, but Tweeter McGee follows me on Twitter, and he tweeted at me. Reminds me of Olympics Delhi. It's so, looked like it. There you go. Tweeter McGee, you called it. Good, good reference. Um, yeah, so, I mean, again, you know, it's the same story, right? You know, Henson, Delhi, when these guys go from being, you know, overpriced non-contributors to guys that you actually feel like you can, they can actually help you win basketball games, maybe not, you know, playing 35 minutes or something like that. But tonight, I mean, Delhi plays, what, 17 minutes? Um, felt like he played a lot more, but 17 it's minutes crazy. tonight. And, um, you know, again, this is the third state game where he's played pretty well. And now he actually made some shots as well, which um, is obviously a big plus. By the way, I just looked it up. The combination of Bledsoe, Brogdon, and Delhi, they've played 29 minutes. They have a negative 19 net rating. Sounds right. Yep. So, yeah, you are correct in not really thinking you should like that. <laughs> It felt it felt like I shouldn't like it, uh, but uh, we'll see kind of what happens. Uh, other news and uh, I guess other notes from this game. Uh, 
Giannis under 30 minutes. You said that was the first time that's happened since Sacramento. Um, I haven't looked up Middleton's game log yet, but I game logs, excuse me for this season. Uh, but he had 30 minutes, and I would assume that's the first time in a good long while for Chris because it seems like just like with Giannis, uh, he let's see, the last time he played under 30, 30 or lower was. That same game, Sacramento, 23 minutes. Uh, he played under <laughs> – just looking at his minutes, he's played under 30 minutes twice this season, uh, once against Sacramento and then once in their three-point win uh, against Portland uh, on the 21st of 10 – oh, of October? Wow. Um, so – it's been a long time since those guys have played under 30 minutes, so uh, I cannot, I, I cannot talk about that enough because I, I do think it is very big for those guys to have nights like this where they can play under 30 minutes because it, it's just that they have an in, insane workload uh, this season. So big stuff there. Uh, yeah, you, and 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 I would add, I mean, it's not just Chris playing more than 30 minutes. It's, I mean, since that Sacramento game. He had played 34 minutes or more in every game. Like, yep. it's not like they're even putting having some 31, 32, 33 minutes. I mean, it's literally 34 minutes every game, which, um, you know, it's it's a ton. It's a big workload. And, you know, you look ahead to having, you know, the Raptors and Wizards coming up this weekend on a back-to-back. Um, you know, anytime you can take some of the load off of these guys with uh, a game where, you know, you can take care of business and, give yourself a chance to rest i mean it's it's obviously really big i mean Giannis. um the last time Giannis played fewer than 37 minutes in a game was the december 2nd game against sacramento so that was the one the home game <laughs> he played 34 minutes in that so um you know the the previous time let's see I'm trying to find Giannis games where he played he's played under 30 only twice the okc game uh, the big home loss. He scored 28 points in 28 minutes in that one. Um, foul trouble and just blow out so he didn't have to play. But uh, but again, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to find even games where he was in the low 30s. He scored, he played 32 minutes in Charlotte on November 1st. He had only 26 minutes in that Sacramento game. But um, every other game, he's at at least 35 minutes with one 34-minute game against Sacramento on December 2nd. I mean, you know, it's, it's it, every night, yeah. After, basically huge. in the last month it's huge in the last month he has played 37 or more minutes every game up until this this one tonight yeah. so so like i said we can't talk about it enough it's it's monumental for those guys to actually get nights where they are not expending that much energy and as we talked about last night there's no blowouts so those aren't just a bunch of minutes in a game where that's in control they're not working that hard it is a game where it's close and they are working hard and those are high stress minutes they have a ton of those each and every night so big stuff there um we've been overwhelmingly positive for 35 minutes frank warning 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 (laughs) things are about to get very negative on lockdown bucks you got about five minutes left in the podcast and it's gonna get negative so if you don't want to hear negative things after the bucks win well you actually see this is going to be tough because the, I'd say there's a minute worthwhile of content at, at the very end of the show. I think was funny and good, and it'll teach you something. So I don't really want you to skip it. But the next, we got, we got, 
Yeah, we got some Giannis love and some some grammar action in at the end. So depending on your trade-offs, if you're willing to listen to us bitch about DeAndre Liggins, <laughs> um, it might be worth sticking around. But if you're allergic to DeAndre Liggins' complaints, then just turn it off and go about your day. It's okay. Or, or use the fast forward button, right? Yeah, I mean, you can you can kind of jump around. If we're still talking about DeAndre Liggins, keep going. Uh, yeah, exactly. if, if we're not, then you're good to go. So uh, just, just a warning. This has been a heads up. Good luck. Warning, warning, warning. Which is, is probably the DeAndre Liggins portion of the podcast. Yeah, you guessed it. Uh, so DeAndre Liggins plays 23 minutes tonight, plus four in those 23 minutes, which is nice. Um, that isn't that isn't often the case. So good for him for for being able to find a, a way to contribute uh, and not have a, a negative number next to him. So good on him, but. After those two games, I was thinking the DeAndre Liggins experience was over. I thought it was something I wouldn't see anymore. Uh, deadline day is the 7th, so three days away. Uh, I, I thought they were just going to run right through that, and it would be fine. They, they would let him go. They would decide on someone else, and that would be that. But that was not the case. Uh, thoughts? Anger? What do you got? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, we need we need the John Horst intervention here. Um, and again, for for those who maybe missed uh, or some of our recent podcasts, um, the date for which contracts become guaranteed the rest of the season is approaching. Officially, it's January 10th, but given the guys have to clear waivers, um, effectively they need to be uh, waived by January 7th. Um, so it's um, yeah, I am very curious what will happen i am hopeful that he'll be waived and again it's not even so much like oh you got to waive him so you can keep somebody else i mean um you know sure give sean kilpatrick a a deal for the remainder of the year you know after january 10th you can start signing 10-day contracts as well so you could you know once his i believe once his two-way expires i i think you could sign him to I think you could sign him to two-way i'm not sure um but whatever even if you'd have to sign him to a full year deal um, that's fine. He's we know he's better than DeAndre Liggins. I mean, he's yep. Liggins has been you know by pretty much every metric, whether it's you know just raw stats. Obviously, he puts up terrible numbers. I mean, his you know his he, he puts up no numbers basically. Um, and his on off the Bucks are terrible offensively and defensively when he plays. His RPM is terrible. I mean, there's no number that uh, that makes DeAndre Liggins look good. And um, you know that that's why he wasn't on an NBA roster when the Bucks picked him up, right? Because hardworking guy, but just, you know, isn't an NBA player. And so, Willing yeah, I mean, to sign a non-guaranteed contract, I think that would be number one on the ledger for why they like DeAndre Liggins. Yeah. And right? I mean, like, like, I, cause I, I keep seeing Gerald green brought up and if I had a guess, I don't think Gerald green was signed a non-guaranteed contract. And this was, this was, well, but he already had, I mean, he was on a non-guaranteed contract. Like it wasn't a question about whether he was going to sign one. But they had him on a. But don't you think? Because otherwise, I don't like. I don't get it. Like, did he just not show enough in training camp? Otherwise, because that was the only thing. Because that was really the only good theory we had at the moment, right? That he wouldn't wouldn't sign that. Well, no, but I mean, he he was under contract. They didn't have to do anything. Um, So I mean, I I think the. But what I'm saying is, 
I don't know if he was cool with that. Like he would have said, okay, I would like to be released so I can go pursue a guaranteed contract somewhere. Yeah, but that's just weird, right? Because it's like, I mean, it's not like he's not getting paid while, like, if he's on the roster, he's getting paid, right? I, I don't know. I mean, it clearly it was not a good gamble because he didn't have a job until a week Correct. ago, um, and he got no money at all or whatever for for the last few months. But, but yeah, I mean, the the there was obviously a lot of chatter with Green because he's got seven or sorry, he hit what six or seven threes uh, tonight, I think, and. He's got 13 threes in like the last three games, and DeAndre Liggins has 11 all year. And um, you know, I'm sure uh, anybody trying to cover this up was like, "Oh, but Liggins is so much more rugged as a defender." And I'm sure that's like why the Bucks like thought they wanted Liggins was like, "Oh, he's going to give us an edge defensively or whatever." Um, but you know, I think we've obviously recited all the data on saying that. I mean, whatever edge he provides doesn't actually seem to translate into any type of value. So. So yeah, I mean, if I'm you know Wes Edens, Mark Lazary, Jamie Dynan, if if DeAndre Liggins is on my roster on January 10th, I'm calling up John Horse slash Jason Kidd or whoever you know wanted to keep him and asking why am I paying you know whatever he's going to get paid, 400 grand, 500 grand the rest of the year, like why am I lighting a half million dollars on fire in order to keep this dude on my roster, um, especially given that Jason Kidd actually play, plays him, which is, you know, it'd be one thing if he was on the end of the bench and we never saw him and we didn't, you know, have to kind of be exposed to the fact that he just doesn't bring anything. But the fact that he's actually playing over, you know, guys who A, have been more productive and B, are younger and may have some future in the NBA and possibly with the Bucks. Just so weird. I mean, just why, I don't know, just why even bother with this stuff? But anyway, I feel like that uh, that satisfies our, our nightly DeAndre Liggins complaints, given we, we had a little bit of a respite here since he hadn't played in a couple of games. Yeah, and I feel, like I said, I feel like we did a nice job there, uh, <laughs> only putting a couple minutes towards it. So uh, good on us. I'll pat myself on the back right now. Uh, that's going to be it for us for tonight. Hopefully we kept that positive enough for you. And uh, if you are not happy with the negativity for those five minutes, well, sorry. <laughs> Hopefully uh, you turned that. We should have. You should have inserted. You should go back and insert <laughs> like a warning that like, okay, hey, we're we're gonna complain for a few minutes about gender ligand. So I'm actually yeah, going to do turn that it off now. here. Okay, turn, turn I, it off here. I'm pretty sure I know where it is. Okay. We'll, by, by the way, I. By the way, it's funny. Giannis scored 31 points in, you know fewer minutes than that and Who cares? i don't care and we just like totally take it for granted i mean that's just like the re- <laughs> like the reality of Giannis. i mean he hit some he hit a couple of little like sidestep shots tonight which especially that one in the what, third quarter like that mm-hmm. buzzer beater in the third quarter like that was just like okay it's a good night um i i mean yeah. if this is a game does he get 50 tonight the he was he was feeling it like his jumper was going in and he was just kind of feeling himself, and the Pacers didn't have anything for him, which, I mean, explains why he would score 31 in 29 minutes and it wouldn't be a game. But I feel like if that would have been a game, he would have maybe gone for a career high tonight because they had nothing for him, and he, he was feeling it. So Giannis goes for 31 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 blocks, a steal. Chris Middleton, 27 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal. Both of them play... 30 or less minutes. I was going to say under 30, but Chris fewer. did. Chris, come, on, come on, Eric. 30 or fewer. Got to get our grammar right. My bad. 30 or fewer. <laughs> uh, I was just in my, my own head. My wife, my wife always oh, – I, see, I've been drilled enough not to, to know 
you know, and, and not to, to give people grammar, but fewer is like when you can actually count it, less is when you can't. So, you know, 30 or fewer minutes, 15 or fewer items in the express lane. Um, but, uh, but so yeah. What if, uh, so if I was going to say they played less than 30 minutes, they played fewer than 30 minutes? Yeah. Yep. Huh. Like I don't know if, 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 there's, if I've ever used it like that before. Really? Yeah, no, I mean, if, if you're talking about something that's like, uh, like there's, there's, there's too much water on the, on the court, something oh, that like the, you can't, yeah. you know, like something that like can't really be counted, Yes. Then, then you'd say less or more. But people always use less or more with incorrectly in that regard. So, hey, we're, we're educating you guys. Man, educating me, I feel and stupid. See now, and see now, yeah, and see now uh, when we make that mistake, you guys are going to be able to be like, wow, these guys are idiots. They're <laughs> trying to tell us how to, you know, they're trying to teach us grammar and then they're just totally ignoring it. So uh, Giannis and Chris both play 30 or fewer minutes. So that is that is exciting stuff. Uh, the Bucks come out with a big victory with some help from their bench. Brogdon, 17 points, 5 assists in 32 minutes. Delhi in in 17 minutes, eight points and nine assists, and Thonmaker, 12 points, two of two from three. So a good night for the Milwaukee Bucks. They beat the Indiana Pacers 122-101. This has been Locked on Boat Races slash Grammar slash uh, everything else. Uh, we went a bunch of different places tonight. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. See you then.